Welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the wow, we're really good at making this kind of stuff edition. Oh my god. <laughs> what are we good at making? Oh, Is it weapons? Is it butts? Yeah. <laughs> Is it weapons? Is it really weapons? It oh no! <laughs> America, what have we done? Uh, ah. <laughs> today, today is episode 091. Some newly discovered ancient weapons. Fun. <laughs> I like the addition of fun to That's this right. title. That's amazing. I had, I had to. It's perfect. Um, I fun fun ancient weapons. Yes. What, what more could you want mm-hmm. from a podcast? Today's the day. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with the so excited Marissa Riley. That's <laughs> me. Pumped for old weapon crap. I <laughs> love that shit. We just talked about that. We did. Amazing dagger. Yes. And I still want. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. Welcome. <laughs> Dr. Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. I had no idea what we were going to talk about, but I sort of did know what we were going to really? talk about today just because I guessed it right. <laughs> yeah. How amazing. How intuitive am I? I've never mm. seen any of Jill's documents before. She does so much amazing research and prep. It's true. And, and <laughs> I just have an intuition now. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's going to be butts. We're going through a weapon phase, though, and I'm so here for it. And usually 2019 is involved. I don't think today, though. (laughs) No, we're going way, way, way the fuck back. Amazing. uh, Amazing. Yes, my friends, I think we can all agree humans are creative. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, That's one way to describe it. (laughs) We're exceptional when it comes to ingenuity. And I think we can also agree half the time those beautiful gifts are used to destroy other people. For sure. (laughs) Yep. 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 So today... We're going to cover two recent archaeological finds that are wonderful examples of this. Um, Amazing! In the first half, of <laughs> in the first half of the show, we'll talk about some of the oldest hand grenades ever found. That's so cool! Grenades, <laughs> see? Grenades! Mm-hmm. Wow! The oldest hand grenades ever found. Into it. And in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about tiny, tiny ass weapons and their surprising use. The way you said that, you yeah. said tiny ass weapons. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, mm. what are ass weapons? I... We've, all, we've all got that. <laughs> <laughs> Finger guns. Uh, no one could see that except for Jill. Yes. Anyway. It was worth it. Tell me more about these ass weapons. <laughs> Tiny ass weapons. Tiny ass weapons. All right. Well, let's begin with the first half of our show. All right. And to do so, we need to pack our bags and some sunscreen. We're heading over to the Armenian gardens of Jerusalem. Oh, shit. We are going to need sunscreen. (laughs) (laughs) Now, where in the world is this exactly? Don't worry. I've got you. Uh, Everyone, picture Egypt. You got it. All right. Now, look to the northeast. Okay. There, you'll find Israel... And point to its center. All right. And you've got yourself the West Bank. And if you point to its center-ish, you've got yourself the Armenian Gardens located within the Armenian Quarter, 
one of four quarters of the walled old city of Jerusalem. What what a place. Oh, yes. What a <laughs> place. Uh, we could go deep. Oh, yes. Um, but sure can. I, I have a feeling you're going to go deep yeah, on some we need sweet, sweet Grenades. Weapons. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just grenades today. Just grenades. <laughs> so, now, when we say old, especially in this region of the world, you know shit is old. It's old. It's fucking old. That is why these gardens are beloved by archaeologists and researchers alike, including Carney Matheson, a molecular archaeologist. A molecular archaeologist. Molecular archaeologist. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, at Griffith University in Queensland, Australia. Amazing. Um, it was within these gardens that Carney and a few fellow molecular lovers were on the hunt for ceramic shards that once belonged to jars known as spheroconical containers. Spheroconical containers. Mm. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> I just had to slowly process yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You want, Tell me. It, you want to say it together? Spheroconical containers. Okay, now that is a fancy pants word for a ceramic container that's of a handheld size. I see where we're going stick, with this. Yeah, stay, yeah. <laughs> stick out your hand and now please uh, imagine like an inverted egg. Okay, okay, okay. There's a bulbous part at the top which has an opening you use to fill it and the bottom is a little bit more pointed. It's kind of like an egg. Eggy. That's super egg. eggish. Or spheroconical. <laughs> or spheroconical. As some would say. <laughs> what if I just use that word in a sentence? Do it. All the Do time. Do it at work. You'll get a raise. <laughs> I don't go to work. <laughs> That's right. Go, I work from home. Yeah. Go to the front room. <laughs> I'll, I'll get on a Zoom call and I'll hold go. an egg and I'll be like, this is so spheroconical. And everyone will be like, you're on Whoa. mute. <laughs> Uh, classic. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, anyway. Just <laughs> <laughs> trying to find my notes. Uh, here we are. So, now, if you're thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. It sounds like an ancient version of a water bottle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're, you're kind of right. Oh. Dr. Marissa, Dr. Marissa, why don't you give us a quick summary of what we think they were primarily used for? I would love to talk about this. All right. From news.griffith.edu.a. You, oh my, quote, previous research into the diverse spheroconical containers, which are found within museums around the world, had identified that they were used for a variety of purposes, including drinking, uh, beer drinking vessels, Mm -hmm. mercury containers, god damn, containers (laughs) for oil, and containers for medicines, end quote, you could use them for everything. everything. That was their, sounds like their Tupperware. Yes. Sounds like their old Bon yes. Maman uh, jars. Yes. That's those jam jars that That's we right. go through all the time and mm-hmm. then we keep and put toothbrushes and crap in. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, these things were, if it's a liquid, you get yourself one of these things, yeah. basically. Yeah, sphere conical container. That's right. That's right. I'm going to get better Roll, at this. Rolls off the tongue. So. <laughs> That's right, my friends. Lots of studies since the 1980s found everything from oily residue to good old-fashioned beer on a molecular level hidden away within the ceramic. Amazing. But for Carney, something was missing. Yeah. There hasn't really been any recent testing, and it's just assumed any new jars found were used for drinking or whatever. Uh-huh. Carney had a hankering uh-huh. that these handheld 
portable vessels were probably used for more than booze and lotion, if you see where I'm going. Yeah, I really <laughs> want to say sex toy, but <laughs> if it's not a weapon, it's going up someone's butt, there right? Put it on a tea. Right? Put it on a tote. Right? <laughs> cut me off. Put it on I'm a soon. mug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so Carney did what any good archaeologist would do and start fucking digging. Yeah. Digging until enough pieces of these jars were found to test. And boy, howdy, the research team struck ceramic gold, if you will. Oh, la, la. They found four broken spheroconical containers, all dating between the 11th and 12th centuries. Mm-hmm. And each had its own little personality. Oh. Some had thin walls. One was unusually thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, some were decorated. And that thick one had no decoration at all. It was okay. very straightforward. Okay. Put a pin in that. Mm. You got it. I have a feeling. Yeah. I know Ooh. what they're doing with that one. <laughs> yeah. It's going up a butt. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) Please. We have two options today. It's either going up a butt or it's a weapon. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Either way, the person's going to the hospital. So, So, Dr. Marissa, according to Harry Baker of YeOldLiveScience.com, what else did researchers discover about each? Let's talk about it. All right, quote, the team found that one container was likely used to hold oil, another two stored scented materials, such as perfume or medicine, while the final container was laced with traces of explosive materials hinting that it was used as a handheld explosive device, end quote, boom, grenade. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Yes, my friends, a handheld explosive device, otherwise known as a grenade. And if you're wondering, how in the world could pieces of an old grenade from the 11th century be lying around and so easily found? Yeah. Well, don't worry. I got you here, too. Ah. That's right. It's all thanks to a little something you may have heard of before called the Crusades. Oh, I actually have heard of that yes. one. Yeah, yes. Yeah, my, my terrible education. <laughs> I ticked a couple boxes. There you go. Now, there can be... And I bet there is an entire podcast dedicated to this clusterfuck of human history. Yeah. But, Dr. Marissa, I thought we could take turns giving a quick rundown to help explain why someone would turn an ancient beer bottle into an ancient Molotov cocktail meets grenade of sorts in this part of the world at this time. What do you say? I say absolutely. All right. Let's get started. All right. From the LiveScience.com article, uh, What Were the Crusades? Right? I know. Question mark. That's amazing. (laughs) I found the perfect article. This is the the Crusades for Dummies article. I love it. Uh, Quote, the Crusades were a series of religious wars initiated in the year 1095. By the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. They continued in various forms for centuries. The most well-known crusades took place between 1095 and 1291 in the Near East, where European Christian armies attempted to recover the city of Jerusalem from Islamic rule. Mm -hmm. Boom. 
There were other crusades against Muslims in Iberia, against pagans, and fellow Christians in Europe whom the Catholic Church deemed heretical. Everybody, yeah, everybody's on the table. Uh, Nicholas Morton, senior lecturer at Nottingham Trent University, said historians of the time sometimes described crusaders as crus signati, meaning persons marked by the sign of the cross. But other times they described them using uh, other terms such as pilgrim. Uh, Crusading also evolved over time, taking on many different forms and operating in many different geographical areas, which all complicates making an easy definition of crusade. Uh, Continuing the quote, in order to be considered an actual, in quotes, crusade, the campaign had to be endorsed by the goddamn Pope. (laughs) I added the word goddamn if you couldn't tell. Uh, In addition, a true crusader took a crusading vow and then sewed a cross on their clothing to symbolize their commitment. Mm -hmm. Although... They are primarily, although they are primarily military campaigns, medieval crusades were grounded in Christian religious ambitions. They were often spiritual undertakings that could also be classified as popular crusades. Mm-hmm. That's right. Popular crusades occurred sporadically across much of the history of the crusading movement. Uh, these were essentially moments when preachers or ignomatic leaders spontaneously gathered crowds, inciting their followers to either join or to initiate a crusading campaign. Oh, God. This was often with little or no license from the papacy. Mm. Kind of sounds kind of... Sounds, sounds like familiar. Yeah, it sounds very familiar. <laughs> so. I wonder where I've seen that before. Yeah. Okay, continuing the quote, two of the most... Famous popular crusades were the People's Crusade of 1096 and the Children's mm-hmm. Crusade, shut the fuck up, of 1212. During the Children's Crusade, thousands of young people from northern France marched south toward the Mediterranean coast with the hope of reaching the Holy Land. End of the goddamn quote. <laughs> children's Crusade, yes. y'all! Uh, Ah, wow. What a history, though. Right? What a clusterfuck. Yeah. What a lot. Yep. What What a lot. What a lot. Yep. What a lot. That's my statement. What a lot. Dot com. (laughs) My friends, I'm super happy to report that the Children's Crusade of 1212 absolutely fell apart. Amazing. Thank God. Yes. (laughs) And they never left Europe, basically, uh, probably because it was full of children. Yeah. Jesus Christ. They probably needed a snack and had to go home because they're kids. They needed to take a nap. Yeah. And no one was there with baggies of goldfish. No. Or or, uh, toys. Just grenades. Just grenades. Anyway. God damn it. Y'all get the picture. Uh, Some Catholics of the time woke up and chose violence, transforming the popular ceramic jars into fucking grenades. There you go. Uh, there's even Arabic texts which mention these devices, but up until Carney's discovery, there has been no evidence. So a round of applause to Carney for, and and their team for finding evidence that these things exist. Yeah, that's right. Way to go! I I love Carney. Is he, he was just like a. Yeah, no, these are used for something bad. <laughs> yes. I, I'm I'm not gonna sleep until I figure out what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, so Dr. Marissa, I think it's time. Would you like to see a comparison of a makeshift grenade jar yes. and... <laughs> Finally, please! 
versus another jar from that time period. Yes. I think that was a yes. Yes. All right. So. Yes, please. It's, it's been 15 minutes, Jill. I need to see it. I need a visual aid. Okay, you got it. Uh, all photos we talk about today will be on our social media stuff, so please come on by and look at the oldest hand grenades ever made. Yeah, with me. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so there's two photos. Okay. The one on top is the grenade. Okay. Okay. Please tell us how it looks different from the one on the bottom. And the one on the bottom is just a vessel that held non-killy stuff at one point. Okay. 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 So here they are. What's the difference between yonder and yonder? Okay. Yeah. Well, these are, first of all, these are awesome. I wish I could see like a full one from the time. I'm guessing it was just pieces or nothing. But, um, the first one is like, it looks like the bottom part of an egg if you cracked it in half and, and you only had the pointy part. Mm-hmm. And it's it looks like it's made of concrete. Yeah, yeah. It's really thick. I, I, I don't know the dimensions, but the, the, the lining is so thick. It's gray. Mm-hmm. And God, it must have been a lot to, I, I'm, it just looks like half of a big, yeah. It looks like it could do some damage if that if that hit you. For real. Mm-hmm. For real. If even if it didn't go off, like Oh yeah, you're fucked. It, it's yeah. a big ass rock. It's <laughs> hurt. Yeah. Um and the bottom one is just awesome. I'm not sure what material it is, maybe ceramic, mm-hmm. but um it, again, it's like a it's kind of looks like the piece of one of the shapes that we talked about, egg shaped. But this one has cool little scales yeah. kind of etched into it. It's It looks like at one time it was black. It's very faded now, but it has little uh, kind of teardrop shapes all around it, mm-hmm. like little scales. It's yeah. Amazing. There's definitely a design. Uh, it's thinner. Yeah. The walls are thinner. And yeah, it looked like it was meant to hang around a little bit longer than the top one. For yeah, sure. that's the one yeah. I'd want to drink out of. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. So you're probably wondering how it worked, yeah. how that top one worked. Well, for a handheld explosive to explode, yeah. uh, you, need, <laughs> you need, quote, a fuel to burn. Okay, okay. An oxidizer to help ignite the fuel. Yes. And a vessel that applies pressure enabling the reaction between the fuel and the oxidizer to increase in pressure until it causes an explosion. Oh, science. That's right. Carney told uh, Live Science. So, Dr. Marissa, please tell us what fuel and oxidizer was found in that vessel we just looked at. I would love to talk about this. All right, quote, researchers found that the fuel used in the explosives was a mix of plant oils and animal fats, and the oxidizer was a mix of nitrates, including sodium, calcium, potassium, and magnesium nitrate. Holy shit. Uh The team also found traces of sulfur, which uh, was likely added to reduce the temperature needed for the explosive reaction to occur. Uh, End quote from Live Science. This is science. Bonkers, yeah. This is bonkers cool science. Yeah. In what? The year 1095? I don't know. I, I, I... I don't know why I'm underestimating these folks, but like, did y'all just hear that list of things? (laughs) Magnesium, calcium, oils and fats. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Sulfur. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. And you couldn't Google. You couldn't Google shit. 
You had you to, had, you had you to had learn to, from somebody. You had to learn. <laughs> this had this info had to be passed down. I don't know if anyone was writing this shit. If they were, it was on a big ass rock. <laughs> it's not easy to read. No. No. You not couldn't at all. carry it in your hand. You had to carry a big ass rock. Mm. Or memorize it. Oof. Heaven forbid. God. Ew. God. So yeah. All that crap does sound like a bomb to me, folks. And it's uh, it's believed this particular 900-year-old grenade. God damn it. That's right. 900. <laughs> <laughs> say it together. 900-year-old grenade. Uh, it was lit possibly by threading a fuse within a small crack that would have been held in place by resin. That's so cool. That's the leading theory. That's so cool. I said, human ingenuity never fails to amaze. That's amazing. My God. I keep thinking of <laughs> The Good Place yeah. and uh, Jason just yelling Bortles and throwing <laughs> uh, Molotov cocktails. I've been like hearing that in my head That's this whole episode. <laughs> Bortles. Oh <my>. Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. After the break. <laughs> you're never too young to throw a spear. No, never. Mm. Stick around and... You'll see what I mean. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Stay tuned. Please do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Jill Chacha here from Well, That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And my friends, we're going to party. Yeah, I mean it literally. We're heading to the beautiful archaeological hotspot called Parti. Oh, P A R T E E. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's so fun. (laughs) Now, where in the world is this fucking awesomely named place? Don't worry, I got you. Amazing. Imagine the good old U.S. of A. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Point to the very northwest corner. All right. Okay. That's Washington State. Okay. Just below Washington is Oregon. Okay. 
Now point to the northwest corner of Oregon. You got it. Voila, we are standing on party. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Party. (laughs) (laughs) Over over a thousand years ago, the equally beautiful Chinookan and Salish speaking Native Americans called this place home. And over the thousands of years that they lived there, they left behind details of their lives. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to the groovy 1960s and drugged up 1970s, when this location was excavated by a team of archaeologists, including two named Phoebus and Drucker. I mean, I need to watch that TV show (laughs) now. Phoebus and Drucker? Uh Are you kidding me? It's totally real. It's (laughs) the buddy... The buddy show, buddy yeah, comedy. Duo we never knew we needed. Two, two archaeologists yeah. in the 60s. <laughs> That's right. In the 70s, just digging stuff up and Wild. forgetting where they put it. It's I love it. I'll stop talking now. Well, we'll, we'll call Netflix. Okay. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> so, Phoebes and the Druck went on to... <laughs> yes! into it there you go Phoebes and the druck went on to discover party was overflowing with remnants of the past according to sites.ualberta.ca quote they recovered over 7,000 artifacts from the party site hot damn yeah this is the largest artifact assemblage from the oregon coast and is over 10 times larger than the next largest assemblage from this coast oh my god this is really successful it's fucking huge damn the assemblage is dominated by bone and antler tools that are extremely well preserved due to their burial with dense shell deposits which act to dampen the acidity of the local acidic soils yeah, this this quote repeats a lot of words. Sorry about that. No, no, I'm processing it. It's just really interesting. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, continuing the quote, the diverse nature of this assemblage of tools is testimony to the remarkable ancient life ways of, of Seaside's earliest inhabitants. End quote. So. This is amazing. Yeah. Good for them. This is so cool. Yeah. My friends, if 7,000 artifacts... Sounds like a lot. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, historians and the like are still combing through what Phoebes and the Druck dug up. Isn't it like most of the time when people go on digs, like they'll find one thing yeah. if they're lucky? Yes. <laughs> and it'll be like a piece of a pot yeah. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Not that that isn't awesome, but like 7,000 things. Seven, oh my God. 7,000 goddamn things. God, that's yeah. Amazing. I mean, we we just to- talked about Tut's tomb that had 5,000 things in it. This has 7,000. That's huge. I mean, and Tut like wanted that stuff to be found. Yeah. This exactly. is just around. S- around. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Marissa, why don't you tell us a little bit about a recent study published in the December 2012 issue of Antiquities? Tell us a little bit more about those 7,000 items. <laughs> Let's get a little bit more specific. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's not like 7,000 toothpicks yeah. or something. <laughs> All right. According to LiveScience.com, quote, uh, in this new study, a group of researchers examined over 90 previously unanalyzed artifacts that are fragments of an ancient weapon called an at Lattel. Nailed it. At Lattel. Got it. At Lattel. Yeah. Okay, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> 
Predating the bow and arrow, the atlatl was a dart-throwing weapon that could launch projectiles with great force. Made from whale bones, it had a grip at one end and a hook for a dart on the other. The weapon uh, was key to these groups' survival, and people who knew how to use them had significant advantages, end mm-hmm. quote. So it was kind of like yeah. uh, a bone and kind of like a bow and arrow, except instead of an arrow, you, you're putting a dart. Yeah, we're going to watch a video. It's <gasps> Thank God. <laughs> Amazing. I'm like, oh, I, I really yeah. want to see this. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to see it. And again, this predates the bow and arrow. That's, That's how ancient this weapon is and how so important cool. it was. That's we'll, wild. Yeah, we will get into it. So... Thank you, doctor, for reading that. Of course. Uh, In that study, the researchers went on to say, quote, the ability to operate such weapons effectively was a critical skill, but not a simple one to master. Proficient at lateral users probably would have had greater success in hunting than those less skilled, resulting in dietary and social advantages for themselves and their community, end quote. Damn. Yeah. So, my friends, this was a super important tool used to take down big, fast, four-legged game. Holy shit. But don't take my word for it, or even the researcher's word for it. We've got video to prove just how well-designed and ingenious the the atlatls were. Atlatl. (laughs) Atlatl. We got it. (laughs) We got it. All right. My friends, people are still making and selling them today. That's so cool. That's right. I love that. Everyone, stop what you're doing and head on over to the website thunderbirdatlatl.com slash atlatls. That's A T L. A-T-L-S, because we're going to watch it in action. Yes! Join me. Yes. Once you get there, scroll down a bit and you'll see a very soft-spoken man named Bob Berg demonstrate the catatonk catatonk atlatl. He actually makes and sells them for 50 bucks. And when you see how beautiful they are and how cool they are, you're going to want one. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Oh, my God. <laughs> what this is like what I did? This is like <laughs> a new hobby I took up. I'm not even kidding. I, it sounds like fun. It's pretty fun. I, I don't know how I'm going to do it in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people here and a lot of buildings. And not a lot of space, no. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of eyes to put out. I Maybe I won't do it. Okay, I'll, I'll think about think it. Think about it. Let's look at the video. Think about it. All right, Dr. Marissa, let's have a listen. And afterwards, why don't you uh, help describe what they look like for folks. Of course, I'm going to provide screenshots on our social media stuffs too. Uh, if anyone can't join along, maybe because they're too busy using their atlatl. There. Uh, <laughs> let me pull up this video. Okay. There's Aww. Bob. He looks like a Bob. Bob is awesome. He looks like a walrus yeah. in an awesome way. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is a catatonk atlatl. This is a really good choice of atlatls because they're both inexpensive and they're quite easy to use. Um, they, they're, they have nice clean sculptural lines. Uh, they're very durable because they're made from ash or some other hardwood. I'll uh, show you the grip. This is uh, how you hold it. And you the spur, put it on the riser. Stop it. Yeah. Wait, I have to see this again. Okay. All right, let's pause. Catatonk atlatls are... Yeah. Okay. How, how simple and beautiful is this thing? This is beautiful 
I am in no way going to be able to describe what I just saw. <laughs> I'm, do you want me to try? Sure. Okay, if you have a better way, feel free to stop me at any time. You got it. Okay, so <laughs> he's holding a stick. <laughs> It's only, it's a, and two it's sticks. That's gorgeous. It. And it's the most gorgeous stick. And just, he really is soft spoken. And yeah. you can tell he really cares about this. Yeah. And I respect that so much. And he's really good at it. And it's essentially, it's a long stick at one end. It's, it's, I, I would say like a little bit bigger than a Harry Potter wand. Um, <laughs> and at one end, it kind of has like a little handle. And at the other, kind of like a place for you to grip yeah. with your hand at the other end, it it has the tip kind of curves a little bit. And then it has this little pointy part that actually faces like if you were holding out a wand, it, the pointy part would actually c- curve around and face you. And then you actually put the arrow there, face it the other way and launch the arrow. Yeah. Um. And it's so seamless and so cool. And I just did a terrible job describing it. Jill, do you have anything else to say about how this thing works? I think I think you nailed it. Yeah. No, no pun intended. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> it's a very simple, beautiful tool. I mean, yeah, it's one horizontal line that you hook to the end of a either a very large arrow or a spear. And you just... You'd launch it like you'd throw the same motion if you were like uh, throwing a spear. You're doing the same motion, and it's. uh, But however, it's as you could hear the thud. This thing lands with a lot of force. Intense, and I never would have thought of this as like a, a a way of launching a weapon. Yeah. It's so cool, and the people who designed it once mm-hmm. upon a time clearly knew what the fuck they were doing. Oh yes. And this thing is so gorgeous, and I, I would, yep. much like the dagger we talked about in the previous episode, I, I just want one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't have to use it. I just really want one, like, around the house, because it's bucks. so gorgeous. 50 bucks. 50 I'm going to reach out to, what's this guy? Bob. At Bob. Uh, Thunderbird at laddle.com. Y'all are going to love Sponsor Bob. Us. Let me tell it. <laughs> Bob, make an ad. Yes, <laughs> we'll play it. We got you, buddy. <laughs> We got you. Uh, again, that was the Catatonk at Laddle. Uh, keep in mind, there are different types with different grips. Put a pin in that. Okay. Uh, and Bob does, have, Bob does have different videos. Oh, I, I saw them. <laughs> I saw them in the side panel. Right. <laughs> he had a few. It's got a lot. So it should come as no surprise that what can be used to hunt can also be used to kill people from afar during battle. For sure. Uh, this is what the Atlatl was also used for, making this tool one of the most important to the indigenous in the area. Now, with all of this in mind, let's head on back to those 90 new artifacts, oh, shall yeah. we? That's right. Yes, I forgot about those. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Dr. Marissa, please tell us what was unusual about some of the pieces, and because of that, what conclusion did they come up with? Oh my God, I'd love to talk about it. All right, from livescience.com, quote, the team found that the weapons, particularly the grips, varied greatly in size. The largest was 166% larger than the smallest. So we've got a quite the variety. Yeah. Um, continuing the quote, because a person's sex, body mass, and height account for only 10% to 15% in the difference of the size of an adult human palm, 
The researchers concluded that the small weapons were used to train children. And hey. quote, gotta start young. Gotta do it. Gotta start young. That's I right. will say, as a eight-year-old, yeah, uh, living in an RV uh, in the woods with my dad, uh, as one does, yeah, that's about the age my dad taught me to a use a rifle and b how to throw a knife. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Blade Something's towards never you, and it's all in the wrist. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Wants- I should make a video. I you shouldn't. Should. No. You and Bob, get up there. <laughs> I would actually love to make a video with Bob. Um, okay, anyways, continuing. Uh, all right, my friends, tiny ass weapons for the children. Yeah. And yes, they're adorable. Here, yes, here are some of the fragments that have survived over the centuries. You'll have to use your imagination, Dr. Marissa, to fill in the missing parts. Okay. But here you go. They're really, really tiny. And some of them have different grips to make it easier to hold on to. Oh, I know. That's so cute. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at tiny weapons. Um, <laughs> there is one, and it, it, it is, um, it's just part, it looks like the handle yeah. kind of has three prongs. It's wood, and um, it looks like you would put maybe um uh, your fingers in these sort of spaces so it would almost create like a, a, mm. a really good grip and this other handle it's so tiny. is so tiny it doesn't have a blade on it anymore but it it looks like the size of like my thumb yeah not even it's just like I, I, I'm an adult woman I don't know if you know that <laughs> <laughs> if you're an adult look at your thumb and yeah. this handle is probably smaller yeah Exactly, exactly. So cute. Uh, lead author, Robert Losey, an associate professor of anthropology at the University of Alberta, said in a statement, quote, basically, they scaled down their atlatls so they were more easily, easily usable in small hands. Aww. In this way, children were taught how to use and master the weapons, end quote. I'm not against it. No, I it's think important. it's wonderful. Yeah. And, and they have a sense of respect yeah. for hunting or whatever that starts at a young age i will do a ted talk about (laughs) children's weapons let's let's do it (laughs) now i should point out these weren't toys they were the real deal only smaller yeah researchers were able to recreate the small atlatls and they totally functioned oh my god dr marissa how far do you think a teeny atlatl could hurl a dart how far do you think it went i don't know Uh... (laughs) Like uh, 20 feet. 20 feet. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Okay. My friends, 98 feet. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Deadly children. Deadly children. I love it. Um, Amazing. I, I bet they were damn good at oh my it, God. too. Yeah. It sounds, I mean, like, weapons when you're a kid, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> so this is all pretty great. So that's just enough, 100 feet basically is just enough distance to train a child to be an assassin. It's great. What more, you, <laughs> what what you more could you want from your offspring, that's you know? It. And the end. The that's, end. That's the what, a, end. what a great place to end. <laughs> child assassins. Oh my God. Thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends about the oldest hand grenades. 
baby weapons. Baby weapons. Thank you for listening to our neighbor's dog bark. Oh my God, <laughs> this dog. I've been wanting to talk about it the whole time. It will not stop trying to communicate with us. Yeah, it's pretty, it's cute, but. It's cute, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Yeah. And we love you. And please stay interesting. Please do.